I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about The Batman Ventures, issue 11, which came out July 6th, 1993. Same team as the previous issue, Jason. I feel a transformation coming over me. I'm changing via chemical infusion. I'm becoming a guy who reads Batman Adventures 11 featuring Man Bat. Oh, I thought I thought it was going to be like a Transformers reference. You were doing no, that. No, 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 no. The chemicals. Langstrom. Oh, he injects himself. He becomes the Man okay. Bat. Okay. I inject myself. I find Batman Adventures books featuring Man Bat. That's the joke. Oh, that's the joke. Oh, well, you said you said inject and all I could think of was naked lunch because it's about heroin. OK, well, all right, let's uh, none of this went went how I wanted it to. I'm sorry. Before we talk about Batman Adventures 11, let's talk about Shadow of the Bat 15. I just killed your whole bit. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, it's, it's all right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I yes anded straight into an edgy joke <laughs> and and I'm more upset that I made an unfunny okay. joke. F- focus up, was... focus up. Look at me. Okay, Look sorry. at me. Sorry. Shadow okay. of the Bat 15. Okay. Also on yes. stands. Jason. Oh, yeah. It was part two of the Gotham Freaks arc that we talked about briefly last pod by Alan Grant and Joe Statton. I said last pod that I was going to read it. Jason, predictions. Did I read it? Mm, no. You are correct, sir. We have a Nostradamus uh, in the house. In the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't read it. Did you, did you finish it? Because I know you read the first one. Yeah, I did, actually. I did. Uh, what would you think? I thought it was a fun little story. Yeah. It, it kind of made me start thinking about how in... Uh, Understanding Comics comes out in the early 90s, right? Yeah. And something that Scott McCloud had always talked about was how heavily he was influenced by Japanese comics. And even when he was growing up, when he was a kid, and even a a young adult in the 80s, it was pretty hard to come by in America, like a lot of Japanese titles anyway. There just wasn't a lot to to, to get over here, you know? But he always pointed out to like how great they are at showing action and how he wished more American comics were like that. And then it's funny to me how like, Throughout the 90s in in America, manga just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then in the early 2000s, and I think even now, for as seldom as I check out, like, you know, more mainstream books now, there's a lot of like action scenes and plots and the way things are uh, uh, presented that are very heavily Japanese influenced because like they're, of course, they're like masters at it. And especially like action, like some of like, oh, yeah, you know, just like a dumb fight comic uh, manga, you know, is just like really fun you know yeah yeah it's interesting to see the phasing out of kind of like sometimes the uh the 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 stiffness of uh fight scenes in american superhero books yeah i I think the reason why i i really like uh batman adventures over a lot of them their more contemporary books is that it it takes full advantage of it being a cartoon you know it takes full advantage of like hey i'm drawing this so like i can have these bodies stretched out in these like wild kind of ways that are like, you know, and I, and I think sometimes okay, even okay, when the action. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but I said, oh, you should. Hey, <laughs> what'd you think of shadow of the bat 13? 
and then you have not talked about Shadow of the Bat at all. <laughs> what was it about? Well, why why are we talking about manga? Oh, well, because the the villain was um Mirage. So the villain okay. of this like little mini arc is just so silly. <laughs> Who is Mirage? He has this special gem that can uh make hallucinations seem really real. Okay, so he's like a Mysterio kind of thing. Yeah, and if you remember in the you read the first epi- the first episode, you read the first uh I- the first issue of this mini arc, right? I like skimmed it. I yeah. mostly looked at the art. Uh it looked neat, but I didn't yeah. really get into it. Yeah, but so he's like the the um Mirage guy is actually part of the freak show. Yeah. He's because he's using his powers to make himself look like a guy with no arms and no legs. Oh. And to like change his face. Me. You know, but like Batman, like figures it out. One of the one of the things that made me really think about it um, in, in terms of, of manga is just sometimes just the like, <laughs> I love the silly nature, just the silly premise. You know what sure. I mean? It's just like, yeah, here it is. Here's the world, you know, like here it is just, you know, like Batman's talking about, uh, oh, you're an accessory to robbery. It's like, you are a vigilante, sir. Like, you have broken so many laws. Like, you have yeah, no sure, business, like, sure, quoting, sure. like, you know. But also, like, it's, it's you know, it's quick, it's fun, and it's reasonably Action was well good done. Action was manga-like yeah. rather than 90s-like. Yeah, yeah. And and again, like I said last episode, like I really enjoyed the art. It gave me like kind of like a John McRae kind of flavor. Uh, yeah, to I, had to, I had to I had to um uh look up John McRae again just to re-familiarize. Oh, yeah. And it's it's definitely very, very similar. The the art is very similar from uh Joe Staten and, and John McRae. Uh I actually yeah. I found myself in a shop the other day and I was like, should I start buying these Hitman issues? Should I should I just pick up five Hitman issues? And I was like, no, 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 I can't, I can't open another can right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. With um, I'd watch this great video essay about Berserk and like oh, yeah. adaptations. This person explaining like the reasons why she loves like the 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 comic and everything. Mm-hmm. It was just really, you know, it was just really well done video essay, but also just got me thinking about like. Oh man, like yeah, that's right. I'm like, I still have those digital copies of every single volume of Lone Wolf and Cub, and I'm like, just jump in, that. man. I'm like, I want to jump in. I totally want to jump in. I think that's a after, whole podcast. That's a whole extra podcast. <laughs> and then, and so it got me started thinking about Japanese comics, but then all yeah. about the obvious influences from the early American comics, and then how Japanese comics like just went. Fuck, just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just went nuts with it. And then how it came back over here decades later. Right, right. To kind of like I show the say, Americans, you know. The, the way that comics has like locally changed and progressed in Japan, Europe, and America, and then having them all kind of like crash into each other in like the 2010s has really created a situation where we are now in 2022 and it's just the best time to read comics. Oh yeah. There's just so much, so much good stuff out there and there's so much to learn from. And like everybody kind of has made comics as readable as possible. Yeah. If yeah. They're doing and, well, and, it, if and, they're and, doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these days it seems to be like a lot more people are comfortable and get introduced to sort of like 
storytelling theory, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and people talk about it more. Like there there are people who talk about how like they use a lot of um I forgot where I read it recently. It might have been a newsletter, but about how when they think about comics, there's a lot of film language. There's a lot of film yeah. theory that gets used in comics because you look at the panel as a camera, which is a way to do it. You know, it's certainly a way to do it and it's certainly an easy way to do it to yeah. have that kind of structure. But there's other ways to think about how it's told, you know? Sure, sure. I was thinking about you because I read a thread by Steve Lieber where he was talking about ways to kind of dress up pages of talking heads. And you always talk about film. And he was talking about how if you want to ramp up a page of talking heads, like have somebody doing something while they're talking to somebody else. And it made me think about how like Brad Pitt is like always eating something while he's acting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> and great. It, just well, makes there, it, there is... it makes it like visually rich and interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I love that process stuff. Oh dude. Steve Lieber is a great, a great, great follow for process stuff. He is like, well, is always talking about it and he holds office hours, quote unquote, first Friday at a comic shop in Portland uh, that where anybody can bring their portfolios and chat with him about them. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. Oh yeah. He's, Holy he really, shit. What a- uh, he's not only a, a great artist and writer, but uh, a good person too. Um, so if anybody's looking to make comics and they're in that area, I highly, highly suggest to go see Steve. Is it Portland, Oregon place of my birth or yes. is it Portland, yes. Maine, uh, Portland, okay. Oregon? Uh, he's okay. part of, um, Helioscope that studio oh yeah 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 yeah. i know know a bunch of artists out of well i mean you know i I know who they are i am not friends with anybody you're not (laughs) i was like oh jason (laughs) you're buds with everybody in heliscope oh yeah 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 i've been i've been i've been freelancing for a while now you know so grind shadow of the bat 15 pretty good yeah, pretty good. Shadow of the Bat continues to be even the stories that aren't that great, like the human flea, you yeah. know, like they I'm always like, OK, but it was all right. Yeah. It was exec- yeah, it was executed well enough that I'm like, I ain't mad at it. Yeah. Jason. Nicholas. I I wanted to come up with a catchy bit for this, but <laughs> I've been very distracted all week. So I'm just Jason. I'm just going to come out and say it. Do it. Do it. Say it. It's nightfall. <laughs> You've got nothing. Beg for mercy. Scream my name. Never. Last month, Batman double shipped. This month, Detective double ships. So we get Batman 663 and Detective 496 and 497. They are Nightfall 12, 15, and 16. But wait. Where did Nightfall 13 and 14 go? They're in Showcase 93, a book that we kind of started covering when it launched. And then we were like, we're not covering this. There's too much, yeah. too many bat books. So many bat books. But it's back. It's back. And we're, we're covering it, I guess. Um, the way I'm going to talk about these is like we're going to talk about Nightfall 12, 15 and 16 as one thing. And then Nightfall 13 and 14, the showcase books is another because the showcase books are kind of their own story. 
that is like yeah. isolated from the rest of the Nightfall stuff. Batman is Doug Munch and Jim Aparo. Detective is Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan. Showcase is written by Doug Munch, drawn by the star of, I think, this pod, Klaus Jansen. Oh, absolutely yes. crushed those issues. My God. I don't know if you if you caught it, too. He uh, not only penciled inked, colored those issues, too. I did not catch the coloring part. Yeah, I can yeah. tell Kla- Klaus Johnson was one of the artists uh, responsible for a young Jason really realizing what inking is. Oh, and he yeah. was a legendary inker. Inked a lot of Frank Miller stuff. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. He was one of those guys that I would like, honestly, uh, there, there had been a few times when I was a kid that I was like, I didn't really like a book, but I saw that he even inked it. I mean, if he drew yeah. it even better, I would pick it up. But if he inked it, I'd be like, well, it's not going to be so bad. I mean, who, right, right, right. You know, or if because, it was a great pairing, you know, it was like, holy shit, Klaus Johnson's. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. He's not just thinking this. This is all him. So he's, you know, wow, he's got colors, too. Yeah, colors, too. He's got chops to spare. He's in it to win it. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to talk about the Batman and Detective books. Let me give you the rundown, Jason. Are you ready? Hit me. In Batman and Detective, Bane claims Gotham as his own, chucking Batman's broken body off a building into a crowd. Asriel, Robin, and Alfred pick up Batman dressed as paramedics, loading him into an ambulance. He needs a drug called Decadron for spinal injuries. Robin and Asriel ask the police to go get it for them. And then they pick it up. <laughs> you're, you're cracking up. Why are you cracking up? It, it, go, keep going. We'll, we'll okay. Get all right. All right. Going. All right. Meanwhile, Joker and Scarecrow dissolve their alliance in part ways. Scarface is in a power struggle with Socko, the sock puppet made from a sock that Ventriloquist used to track down Scarface in the first place. Bane uses his rep as the man who broke Batman to ruthlessly take over the local mobs and gangs. Bruce gets his therapist, Chandra, to be his doctor, I guess. Whatever, it's fine. Don't think about it. It's fine. Bane recruits Catwoman for information gathering and and theft in an effort to get us to read the upcoming Catwoman books. Please care about Catwoman. She has a manservant named Leopold now. What's his deal? Please read Catwoman. Asriel puts on Batman's costume and goes absolutely buck wild out there. Straight murder city. Robin is worried about it. He's worried about Asriel doing all of the murdering. Robin, of course, is flashing back to his own miniseries where he saw a man being ground up in a printing press, still hears the cracks of the bones, the tenderizing of the living meat. He's traumatized. Bane's (laughs) goons steal Chandra, Batman's doctor, I guess. Bruce tries to stop them from his wheelchair. He's got a broken spine. He's in a wheelchair. It goes really bad for Bruce. They don't even kill him because they're like, well, I don't know. He's just on the ground, you know? (laughs) (laughs) eh, This isn't doing anything for me. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, sure. Bane has kidnapped Chandra, his therapist slash physical therapist I, I don't know i don't know what's going on there it's a it's a weird vagaries of relationships where they don't want to introduce new doctors into the books so they're just like running with this one person i don't know whatever it doesn't matter the point is jason did you read catwoman that's the fucking point i i didn't i didn't uh get the the subliminal uh messaging 
Because uh, your boy, your boy flipped through the first issue of Catwoman. That's also on the stand this month. Jim Ballant is drawing it. He draws it for many, many issues. I forgot who wrote it, but man, is it a weird fucking book because it's like kind of tied into Nightfall. Bird is like hanging out with Catwoman, giving her orders, and she doesn't like it. But she's also got Leopold. And I don't know what the deal is with him. And I don't know. Basically, if I was jumping in on Catwoman, I'd be like, I don't know anything's going on. You know, like for an issue one, very, very strange. Okay, well, maybe maybe uh, maybe I'll pop in on that. Uh, Also, also, Jim Ballant, he puts Catwoman in the suit and she is vacuum sealed into that sucker. Jason, the thing is nipples up and down the line. The whole issue is is erect nipples and shirts. You know what? This blanket statement for any comics from the 90s. Okay. Hi, okay. kids. It's me, Jason, the dictator of comic books. Hey, did you make superhero comics in the 90s? There should be a warning plastered every other page with a little box that says, as was the style at the time. <laughs> you know, because like there's really yes. no like yes. there's no yes. good. I like. I was really struck. I was really struck by Jim Balance's ability to draw a hot woman next to the clunkiest, like bullshit drawings that I've ever seen. So it was like I could tell where he was like really spending his time. <laughs> yeah, that, sorry, man. Didn't for that reason. Uh, flip through it. It's on the app. Just flip through it. Weird as hell. Oh, I was trying to figure out what the deal is with Leopold the whole time, her her manservant, but I still don't know. I, I don't know. You know, th- before I forget, I loved uh, your uh, It's Nightfall voice. Yeah. And I would love it if you could cut that part out and then just make it a stinger. So any other time we talk about Nightfall or some really dramatic thing in a Batman book, you can just hit a button we should just we should have a nightfall button insert yeah, nightfall, nightfall here <laughs> yeah 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 you know robin doesn't know if bruce is gonna die or not it's nightfall, nightfall. <laughs> <laughs> you know jason jason showcase aside what did you think of <laughs> batman and detective i'm sorry i couldn't get over the like the hokiness of it like everything else about it like technically put together well like professionals i didn't see anything to like you you know like what what a lot of well done things and i like the art i will say this though great cover art kelly jones is a goddamn master and the only time even when i was a kid that i would get mad is that i because i always knew it wasn't kelly jones interior art sure i'd be like I'm picking up the issue mostly for sure i'm gonna read it but it's it's a hell of a bait and switch like no shade on Jim Aparo because he drew Batman for a long time. He did like 150 yeah. issues of Batman. No slouch at all. Drew some great Batman. But like to be like, hey, kids, Kelly Jones cover Jim Aparo on the inside. Whew, that's a hell of a bait and switch. Well, yeah, it's like it's like the because like Kelly Jones has that great like especially when he really came into the, you know, his the style that most people know him for like this great kind of like dripping sort of darkness you know because yeah. all the, the heavy yeah. blacks that he uses and it's like they do a pretty good job of matching styles but it's like when you pick up like any sort of um uh hellboy like universe book and of course there's going to be a mignola cover nine times out of ten sure and like 
and yeah, the but, tone you usually matches, but sometimes when you open it up and it's just a completely different style and like it's still good, but, but you're but, just but, like but, you're but, looking but, at the Magnolia say, thing oh, on the oh, color. Oh, let me just and, okay, okay. You know. Let me just <laughs> But Magnolia also like cherry picks some really incredible artists and like Oh well yeah, yeah. And like the DC monthly trains getting run on time is very different from the Magnolia stuff. Oh, <laughs> oh completely. I feel like, complete, I feel like your completely. analogy falls apart just a little bit, a little bit with that. And I don't mean to say this as a complaint, you know. Semi-related, the DC app suggested a Batgirl uh, miniseries to me from 1989. And I was like, oh, the cover looks sick. And I clicked it and the cover was by Mignola in 1989. And I was like, oh, sick. Mignola's going to be drawn Batgirl in this special. And I opened it up and it was not Mignola on the inside. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I, you know what? The I, I think I think some of the artists, uh, now that I'm really thinking about it, I'm like, it, it was probably a way to make some of the slower artists just do a bit more work and keep their names out there. Like, you, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Cause uh, um, Art Adams was always another one for me too. Yeah. Where like covers, you, yeah, 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 covers, and you're like, oh my god, is this a no? No, he <laughs> it's he struggles to do a monthly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I yeah, get it. yeah. Jason, and, Jason. Yeah. But can we talk? Let's talk about Batman Detective. For God's sakes, that's what the kids are clamoring for. Uh, I just, I, uh, Robin like is <laughs> Robin is so whiny. He's so whiny. But you know what? I kind of <laughs> love it because Azrael is so violent in these issues. He's so like clear. He did not. They didn't ramp up to this. Like there was a little bit of this pre nightfall. Robin's like, I'm going to train you. And Azrael's like, okie dokie. And like they get out there and then Robin's like, Azrael kind of lost it there a little bit at the end, just a little bit. And then this time Robin's like, you need to be Batman. And he's like, Okay, I got this. And he immediately, immediately, he's like, I'm going to kill everyone in this room. And and Robin's like, oh, gee, Willikers. Oh, beans, guys. This is real bad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. I hope I hope I hope Bruce doesn't hear me say the 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 the, the Willikers word. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of in my mind. The Asriel Robin dynamic is a lot more fun than it actually is on the page. Like I'm having a lot of fun with it personally. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I trying to be like as honest as I can about, you sure, know, about sure. what I think about them. But like, if you push my honesty even further, like, yeah, of course, like I read them as like from the time that they are, you know, sure. so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep uh, it in perspective. Yeah, and I will say, like, in that vein, and the reason why I bring that up is while I think um, Jean-Paul and Azriel and have always thought that they were annoying, I always, like, <laughs> you know, and also this is, again, I, I probably mention it too much, but about the time I started kind of peeling away from sure. uh, mainstream books, but, like, man, the 90s-ness of the character of Jean-Paul and the character that becomes at like the nineties of it is like that big old, like injection of nostalgia straight into my veins. I'm like, see, 
Yeah, I kind of, I still kind of like it. So, <laughs> you know, did you, did you not like Asriel as a character back in the day? <sighs> for honestly, for about five minutes. And then like the whole like oh, flaming I, sword thing was I, like, I, I ate it up. I, I could not get enough. I was like, put as what give Asriel his regular book, put him out there. We're of a certain age where I was impressionable enough at that age to be like, Asriel, now that's a smart character, you know? Yeah, I think I think I was it's kind more of the like same thing. Just... It's it's kind of the same thing with um if you talk to somebody our age who was reading comics back then. They really love Chamber as well, you know? Like I feel oh, like yeah, it's yeah. This cut from the same cloth for sure. The X-Men. Oh, it to- yeah. It 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 it, to- it totally is and I think I think maybe that was part of it. And and also part of because I was always more of a generally more of like a a, a Marvel kid than like yeah. not that I didn't I I have sure. the DC books I sure. love, but like I I think also um even when I was a kid, I have this memory of thinking to myself like and re- you know, I read Nightfall in bits and pieces, but I just remember being like, well guys, you 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 know Azrael is like unstate just don't you just stop right. having him be batman guys like it's there's never been a point where asriel was not unstable <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like just take just just don't just take him away just give it to you, nightwing you have the power to- they're like nightwing's got his own responsibilities he doesn't he doesn't want it i'm like i'm sure he would help you i'm sure he would help <laughs> yeah you, for god's sake <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure i'm sure dick grayson can take a week or a, right. or a few months, you know, however, right. like split his time. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. It's Guys. like his dad. His dad just got his back broken by a luchador right. person on steroids. I'm sure the city that he now protects, of which I forget the name of now, Bloodhaven. will be fine for yes. Bloodhaven. But Teen Titans can't look after Bloodhaven. Yeah, Come on. right. Like we there's. Batman has no friends like he can't we can't just get Superman in for the afternoon to just wipe wipe out all the crime for a second. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't get one of those kids from the from the Legion of Superheroes like the the 85th century. I feel like I'm in a comic shop in 1993 now. We got to We (laughs) got to eject. That's not the vibe we were going for. (laughs) We got to eject out of this. Okay, Jason. Showcase. Let's talk about it. This was Nightfall 13 and 14. It got a number, but the Nightfall issues that we're going to talk about in Shadow of the Bat coming up with Scarecrow did not get a number. And it made me go, hey, I don't think there's any plan here. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think DC is just building the plane as they're making it. Do you think uh, this is where the the writers' room from Lost got their inspiration to be like, no, no, it's all a plan, guys. It's a plan. Trust me, trust me. We had this planned out like totally from the beginning. Totally. So for some reason, Showcase got Nightfall numbers, even though it's very much a insular secondhand story. And I think that's what's going to happen with the Scarecrow story in Shadow of the Bat that's coming up next pod. So I don't know why. This got a number and that didn't. That gets the Nightfall banner. It doesn't get a number. At any rate, in Showcase, we got a two-part flashback in two issues about the capture of Two-Face while Bruce was still Batman. This was pre-Bane breaking his back. So Bruce is Batman and he's so tired. Bruce is pushing out Robin out of the investigation. But in the end, it all comes to a head with Robin making a judgment call to save Batman. 
they're like he and Two Face are dangling above this city skyscraper. This is right right at the end. We're we're skipping basically everything else is kind of by the book. It's Batman being running down Two Face, Two Face putting together a bunch of gangs together, and then he's still district attorney, but he's like Two Face, so he's he puts together a court and he holds Batman in contempt of court, uh, and then he's gonna kill Batman once the court says whatever. Anyway, that is all. V- by the numbers, two-faced stuff. So at the very end, Robin helps Batman escape. Batman's chasing down Two-Face. They go up this construction site. They're dangling on this ledge. It looks like Two-Face is going to kill Batman. Robin comes to his rescue. Batman chastises Robin for being like, hey, by coming to my rescue, you could have killed Two-Face. Like, we don't do that. What the heck? You damn dingus. And then Robin's like, oh, man, I'm like really second guessing myself. And then at the end of this story, Batman wakes up from the coma that Bane put him in. And then (laughs) Batman's basically like right as he comes out of the coma, he's like, you know what, Robin, you were right about that one particular thing a while back with Two-Face. Like first words out of his mouth. Yeah. So this was kind of like a flashback issue. The yeah. story's okay. It's Doug Munch uh, writing it. Um, he usually writes pretty good, pretty good Batman stuff. This was serviceable, not flashy, but uh, yeah. the real, the real, mm, the real creme de la creme in there. Klaus Janssen just like absolutely crushing the art. Like it looked, this is the best mainline Batman stuff that we've seen yet would you agree with me with that oh yeah yeah past the like 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 you said it's just a pretty simple two-faced story i think the Um, only thing that maybe gives it a run for its money is the tim sale uh misfit was it misfits yeah misfits where they had like the four villains that batman was fighting that three arc in shadow of the bat i think that's the only other art that we've looked at uh, that's been mainline Batman work that has come even close to like being better than this class chance and stuff. And even this class chance and Tim sale, you're talking about apples and oranges. They're just two different animals. You know, one, you really can't say one's better than the other, but I feel like the class chance and stuff. So good. He's using like, basic shapes and graphic design and cartooning language so so expertly he's because he's an inker like it is inked beautifully like this scratchiness to it there's texture to it gotham feels like lived in and beautiful but shadowy and like interesting yeah 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 there's this great and he and uh klaus johnson always did this great sort of like uh messy obviously deliberately messy and almost collage like style sometimes yeah, which a is a little bit of Sienkiewicz so in there like a little bit of Sienkiewicz yeah, influence yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and and especially when you do a character like Two-Face it's it's like to like the the sort of like uh uh tense craziness of yeah the, of the, villain, the story you know, really when, well yeah exactly exactly it's just a great like note you know it's a great way he's playing that note yeah. yeah, I I was really paying attention to what he was doing in this issue because 
I feel like when I was getting out of school, I was doing a lot of stuff that was like messy on purpose. And I, I didn't realize at the time, like where I should be tightening up. And mm. that, that kind of lesson didn't really click with me. And when you look at these issues and you look at these books, you see that messiness that's happening, but it's like happening in all the places that you're not meant to look or you're not meant to linger. They say that like you, when you read a comic book, you read the word balloons and you look at faces and hands. And usually unless it's like a goon, a goon's face will be a little messy in the background because it's like, he doesn't want you looking there, you know, but like Batman's yeah. face will be like nice and tight. Like he'll do the figure work on Batman nice and tight. He'll do the figure work on two face, like pretty nice and tight. It'll still be loose. It'll still be like his kind of style, but it, it just the way the moments that he picks are, are just very, very good professional. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and just to, and just real quick, did did you read the backup stories in any? I of the, did not. Uh, so yeah, Showcase has two other stories running at the same time, both time. Like so, every issue is three stories. It's like a, I don't know, like a sixty-page book, forty-page book. I don't even know. But yeah, yeah, there's multiple stories. I I kind of skimmed through them. I didn't really like linger or read them. Did you check them out? I did. Well, because I, you know, speaking of just like hokey, like, you know, as was the style at the time, uh, the sure. backup story with it's, it's Deadshot Peacemaker. The name of the story is the Cobra Chronicles. It's it's just. Oh, it's, and King Cobra is the villain in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. the silliest. Like these guys might as well be action figures being right. played with by an eight year old child story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's, I, it's great. I flipped through and enjoyed that one actually. Like I, I yeah. really, I read snippets of the dialogue here and there, but yeah, very, very fun. Yeah. But, but then the other one is fire and ice. And I'm like, what are the, but I'm like, you know, I'm flipping through. I was like, I was like, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I won't. I'm just staring. I didn't really read it, but the art, the art in this fire, I was like, yeah. what the hell are you doing here? You know, why doesn't uh, I have to look this guy up uh, uh, later? Because I'm just like, why don't why aren't you on your own book, man? Like, this is like yeah, uh, strong cartooning, strong, strong. Uh, he could he could fill in on some Batman adventures. He it felt like that. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah. you're just strong. Like just every the, 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 the forms, the, you know, look up. Do you know who did that issue? Are you looking at it right now? Yes, it is. I'm going back to the. Sorry, I was looking at a couple of my favorite. Uh, Stephen Harris. Nice. Credit where credits yeah. do. Yeah. Again, that was the style at the time too, right? If like an editor wanted to give a young artist a chance, they'd be like, "Well, sure. I got this backup story, and it's just yeah, these yeah, two characters, absolutely. and if this guy's not any good, like, yeah, it's fine, you know." And it looks like he's like just knocking it out being like i want more work yeah 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 we got i yeah. gotta put uh his name into my brain for future dc stuff that we're reading yeah one last thing one last thing something that i enjoyed and reread a, a couple of times scrutinizing the page i i really enjoyed when bane threw batman's body off the building and it bounced all the way down <laughs> <laughs> in nightfall this is not in the class chance and stuff this is in the regular day i just i just remembered batman's like 
you know, ragdoll corpse bouncing down this building into this crowd. And they really made a meal of it. It was like three or four panels. He's oh, hitting everything God. on the way down. It's so <laughs> it, it was between but between between that and the um I think it was Rocky Four, where it's like the crowd of people are like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. cheering Rocky on as he beats up the young up and comer guys. It was yeah. just like, "Who's the Batman? Oh, the Batman! Hey, everybody, we got to uh, you know." It's just like, "Oh no, they're they're not gonna like this." Is Gotham the city that we usually tell you? This the worst people constantly are just here, and there's sure. no justice for it. No one in a crowd in Gotham would ever like rip off Batman's mask of his like lifeless body like <laughs> well, fell in were, front of you. Like, in all fairness, there was a couple of cops that were hanging out, and they were like, "Give him space, give him space." I don't know, whatever. Don't yeah, know. no, no, I know. I mean, I, I, it's just yeah, it just reminded me of that. It's just a, again a very like '90s like, oh no, can our heroes survive? Or maybe yeah. the power of the local yokels. We'll see. <laughs> you know, see, they're not all bad. Oh, they're just no. mostly bad. This was a Chuck Dixon issue, so they were all bad. <laughs> Don't worry about it. There was, there was no, there was no hope within the within the local population. It's nightfall. It's nightfall. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fuck. Let's talk about Batman Adventures 11. We've wasted enough time with Nightfall. It is the same team as the previous issue. Kelly Puckett writing, Mike Parobeck penciling, Rick Burchett inking, Rick Taylor coloring, Tim Harkins lettering, and Scott Peterson editing. Jason, this is a man bat issue. I had high hopes for this issue. I think I'm going to say it right now. I think this is maybe my least favorite issue that we've covered so far. I uh I can see that. I can I can see why. This is called The Beast Within. Act 1. The Sleeper Awakens. And of course, it's a man bat issue. So we're in the lab with Langstrom. Langstrom gets a dart in his neck fired by somebody in the shadows. Every time anybody ever gets a dart in their neck, by the way, I always think of uh C Lab 2021. There's like this great bit where they keep darting each other in the necks. And there's this it's like this one line that stuck with me for for a while. That's like where guy will blow gun a dart in the neck and they'll be like, oops, dart in your neck. <laughs> As the person passes out from the Fugu, the world's most poisonous fish. This venom causes massive neurological damage. That's what's causing the side effects. I've got to warn the oh, oops. Dart in your neck. I couldn't help but think the same thing. They're trying to make this sinister noir <laughs> piece here where Langstrom's in the lab and there's a shadowy figure. And I just I just in my brain, I hear, oops, dart in your neck. <laughs> they didn't anticipate your irony poisoned elder millennial brain <laughs> right, referencing right, right. <laughs> an early adult swim show. Yeah, God, yeah. I love those early adult swim shows. So we see uh, Kurt. Langstrom getting a dart in the neck and then we cut to a weird like domed gala event that is happening high above the rooftops of Gotham City. Bruce Wayne's there. He's pretending like he's not interested because he's definitely not Batman and nobody knows he's Batman for sure. For sure. 
So he's he's there. Kurt Langstrom's wife is accepting an award for you know sciencey stuff, and then she sees yeah, you it know, for science for science, and she sees it. Man bat out on the loose, and then. As Man Bat is out on the loose, Bruce Wayne just jumps off the building, right out of the gala, right off the building. And at first, he's like taking off his suit. And he's got the he's got the Batman suit underneath, right? But I'm like, man, I really hope he gets that grappling hook out before he hits the bottom of the building. Before he hits the street. We're gonna get another, we're gonna get another shot of batman just hitting every single thing on the way down <laughs> from the building like in nightfall and you're then you're gonna see his lifeless course on the last button he just yeah. couldn't get to that last button couldn't get, like, the, oh, couldn't get that shirt quite out couldn't get that cumberbun off yeah i don't know get, so got a zipper caught yeah right right <laughs> the amish were right zippers are evil also no one in the gala is like damn when's he just Bruce Wayne just fall off the building. He just ran straight <laughs> off the building. Anyway, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. Man bats on the loose. He's terrorizing. He's whooshing uh, in like a, a, you know, Times Square kind of setting. Lots of lights, lots of uh, uh, advertisements and stuff. He's whooshing through the, the streets. Batman's right behind him. He's swinging into action. He's got. He's got Man Bat in a headlock. It's all action. Man Bat's trying to shake him. He uh, finds a billboard, crashes into the billboard. Batman gets like kind of woozy, kind of knocked out. Man Bat flies away. And then we cut to Langstrom's wife and she's she's run home to the lab and she sees Kirk Langstrom and he's he's in pants only he's in a puddle of goo and she's like oh kirk why'd you do it why and there's a big man bat hole in the wall cartoonishly man bat hole in the wall uh in the windows and uh she's like kirk wake up they'll be coming for you you got to get out of here and man bat or man bat batman puts his hand on on his uh mrs langstrom's uh, shoulder she's like i'm already here and yeah. then we get into act two. So like that was all set up. It was mostly action. It was yep. mostly just like Batman fighting man bat on rooftops, which I'm here for. I'm here for that. It was great. But we're setting up like somebody was there with Langstrom with the dart in the neck. And then like the, the man bats just wreaking havoc. And it's kind of trying to set up a mystery. And I feel like it just doesn't like I need just like a little bit more. I felt like I don't know. Yeah, I thought that. uh, Oh, and just real quick about the man bat shaped hole in the window. I just want to say of the many, many things that are bullshit about the reality that we're all forced to live in. Yeah. One of the most bullshit things is that physics doesn't work the same way it does in cartoons. (laughs) Like how many times has any of us wanted to leave a room through a wall and have it a not kill us? And B, just leave a perfect little kind of silhouette. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, you know, you just want, uh, you just want a Jason sized hole in a wall. That's all you want. Just once a year. I just want, I wouldn't do it all the time. <laughs> you won't do it all the time. Sure, sure. I'll be responsible with it. I promise. 
But yeah, I felt like um, I just I didn't get enough in that moment to like really yeah. hook hook me in. You know what I mean? And usually, yeah. And the only reason I say this is because like I'm holding these Batman Adventures books to a high bar because the bar they've set the bar so high. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm kind of like oh that's kind of weird. They didn't like give me a little bit more. But all right, all right, we'll we'll keep going, you know? Yeah, that was that was my main thought, kind of overall thought of this issue in general, is just that it was quick. It was really like I read it twice in a row, real and, and like on the one hand, like, yeah, like you said, like the quickness of it is great, the action is great, but like the story itself is like Yeah. Eh, Do you want to talk about so, uh, so, Act Two? Act two, G C P D H Q. Excellent. You, you get you know, yep, you get I got the, it. I got you it. get the yeah. All right, just making sure. I I mean, I gotta say though, like in in especially in adventures, I always love the uh, old school uh, golden age comic. Uh, what you know, woman character of of now, like you know, like his his wife, and it's like just the first panel, just her dabbing her her eye with a handkerchief. Oh yeah, she's just yes. so upset. She's so upset. She's in a trench coat. She's under the street light. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, Just all, all of the, I will say this of the drama that is in here. I do love the old school. Like it's, it's very, uh, soap opera heavy handed, you know, in in a way that I enjoy when they lean into that stuff. I feel like it's at its best. Like the, the, the one that comes to mind is the Summer Gleason story where she was like in her apartment waiting for Clayface to call her. And it was like so noir and interesting and super soap opery. And it was just yeah. fun. It was just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, because 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 like sometimes like, you know, like over the top stuff is fun. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like bringing up manga yet again. But like what's one of the more popular animes and mangas right now is about a guy with a chainsaw on his face. And it's his like hands think, and his feet, Jason. And, yeah, yeah. It's like you think the person drawing that and who was selling that to a publisher thought, no, no, I'm very serious. <laughs> sure, I've just spent sure. hours and all my skill drawing a man whose body is mostly chainsaws. And like, yeah, everybody loves it because, of course, they're like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've, I've ever yeah. heard of. And like the drama here is like, this is the silliest thing you know, yeah. and like, yeah, even, and and so to get so Batman is in uh, the cell with uh, Mr. Man Bat himself. Yes. You know, Langstrom. and and he and Kurt can't remember. He can't remember doing it, but he must. He's all he's really sorry, you right. know, because Kurt, he Kurt just doesn't want to be Man Bat. Yeah. He's in the animated show. It's kind of like this thing that he did that he feels shame about and like. That's why we don't get a lot of man bat stories is because it's like once he has a hold on it. He's not going to really turn into man bat anymore. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, because it was supposed to be like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. And like, once, right. Like you cure Mr. Hyde from coming out. And it's just like, well, there's not really there's no more story to go yeah, yeah. to go back to. Yeah. You know, the struggle is done. So he's he's pleading with with Batman and he's just. Again, just even the just the beautiful art, even the facial expressions seem like soap opery over dramatic, you know. Oh yeah. Like it, it fits fits really, really well. And he's pleading with himself. And then man, the most beautiful man with a mullet and a dark, dark mustache. 
who's apparently <laughs> his doctor. And yeah, yeah uh, Batman, Batman leaves. He's like, Batman, I'd like to be alone. I'm sorry for what I did. I don't know how it happened. Like, leave me alone in my jail cell. Yeah. And then another uh, guy yeah. comes in <laughs> with a mullet and a mustache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't know. I've never had a mullet and a mustache. So, like, maybe that gives you some kind of authority. I've never, I don't, I don't Jason, know. Jason, I'm telling you right now. If I go into a doctor's room and uh, like, I, you know, I, I've seen some doctors before. If I've been in patient rooms. If they knock on the door and the doctor comes in and he's got a mullet and a mustache, I'm leaving. I'm fucking <laughs> leaving. <laughs> you think, did your, uh, did your dad ever have a mustache? No, he, yeah, he had a mustache. He, he had a mustache had a for a long time. No mullet. No mullet. No. Yeah, I, could never, I, couldn't, I couldn't see him with a, with a mullet. Yeah. And, I, don't, I don't know and if there are different rules for PAs, though. It was it was the early 80s, and I think he was mentally still living in the 70s. Just to cut him some slack. Just to cut him <laughs> some slack. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, the, the most trustworthy man, because as we yes. just mentioned, if mullet mustache combination, you know, says that he's there to see the prisoner. And then all of a sudden, Man Bat just flies out. And I got to say... I got to say the you know, yes, the action, again, best part about this issue, action scenes sure. are great. But I laughed out loud both readings through of Bullock just like, what? And then firing yeah, in yeah, the yeah. pre-scene. So just- Man, Bat, Man Bat has seemingly the doctor over his arms that, that was visiting Langstrom. And he's shooting through the the like busy, you know, police department. People are like, oh, my God, he's got the doctor. It's, it's a whooshing through. And then Bullock's like, hey, you. He's got like a donut in one. He's got a donut in one <laughs> hand, gun in the other. <laughs> yeah, just just ready to. Man. He just go, he just yells, you're under arrest while he's firing. <laughs> <laughs> never, never well, even worries about hitting the doctor. He's just like, we got to no. just start letting loose. <laughs> no. And then the great, and then the great little one-off line: "The bats, no respect for the law." Oh, so good! Yeah, like Bullock. Bullock will save a scene every time. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we cut to the most beautiful, trustworthy man uh, pouring our our hapless doctor a drink. <laughs> Either everyone in Gotham is rich, or just like every house in Gotham has a four-post bed. And a fireplace, four, four post bed and a fireplace with a with a uh, yeah, a chair. portrait above the oh, fireplace yeah. Yeah, of their a man father glowering, yeah, a yeah, man yeah. And an ascot glowering down at you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Jason, you put a man yeah. in an ascot; he, they can't help but glower. You get of a certain age, and you're just yeah. all glower. But, like, if you're Batman, like, at this point, if you've been Batman for longer than, like, three years, like, you should just round up everyone in Gotham who wears an ascot <laughs> or has too many fireplaces in their house. Like, there Bruce should at least look through his Rolodex. At least be a list, a database yeah. that Batman's like, all right, before we do anything, let's keep, like, where were all of the people who own, uh, you know, fireplaces and four post beds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's just not just easiest ones. Let's just take them out first. Just, just make alibi, sure. Alibi is first, and you know, then we'll do some actual detective just, work. 
Yeah, because, you know, I've I've just I've been doing this job for like three years at this point, And, you know, like half the time I spend explaining the crime to somebody in an yeah. old mansion with some fireplace, because like more <laughs> fireplaces than you would think. I mean, I'm a really rich man. I'm Wayne Manor. I mean, I didn't say Wayne Manor. I don't know who and, Bruce Wayne is, but Wayne Manor doesn't even have that many fireplaces. And you know what? I start to explain the crime to the person who commit the crime. And every time I look like an idiot every single time. <laughs> So f- before we do anything, we got to round up everybody's alibi who's on this list. <laughs> so he gets handed uh, a glass of water. Kurt, Kirk doesn't know. Uh, Kirk might be rocking a mullet, too. Yeah, they're uh, both, nice they're both mulleted. Him. Yeah. And uh, he uh, the, this uh, kindly, kindly man uh, explains, explains the situation. You know, his name is Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Stefan Perry. God. Stefan Perry. And he's just explaining that, uh, oh yeah, you know, Kirk, you're just uh it's just this stuff that's randomly happening, you know? Like I brought you back here and we're gonna take we're gonna take good, good care of you. And Kirk just falls back asleep because the most trusting man in the world is hiding uh the dark gun that he has yeah, just yeah. in just the other room. We don't even know at this point that there's really anything going on between these two characters. I think that's part yeah. of the reason why I didn't click with this issue is because like this is just this dude in a mustache with Kirk Langstrom and they're like he's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We we woke up on the road. Uh, uh, you were out. I think you turned into man bat. I don't know. Like we got to, I'm trying to help you. I'm, I'm keeping the police off your tail. I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. And then been out for 16 hours. Yeah. You've been out for 16 hours. And then Kirk's like, yeah, okay. And then at the very end, he says, I'd always thought you resent, uh, resented me all these years. Oh, because I won right. that scholarship. Like as he's passing out and he's like, sleep well, Langstrom. And he's got the dark gun. So we know he's the bad guy, the guy who darted. Oops. Dart in your neck in the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think that's why it's like and and forgive me for being so like I, I literally even have it right in front of me and I swear to God I read the I read it like it twice you know yeah but this is how little things because his because the motivation like I knew there were great fight scenes with Batman and Man Bat but the motivation of the villain I was like it nothing stuck in my yeah. head. So like, Langstrom beat him for a scholarship forever ago. That's right. They're like competitive scientists, but like we never, if you miss that and it's a word balloon that has increasingly shrinking text on it because Langstrom's yeah. passing out. So if you miss that, like you don't know what's going on. <laughs> like there's no yeah. motivation for any of the characters. So let me yeah. break down act three. Now that we're done with act two. Act three, the awful truth. Batman pops in like he's just there in the guy's house, the Dr. Perry, the the rival of Langstrom. And he's just like, you know, checking out the vials. The Perry's got the crossbow on Batman. He's like, this house is private property. Get out of here. He has no idea how Batman works because Batman don't give a shit about private property. (laughs) And so He's like, he's like, no more games. I, I didn't understand your involvement in this before, but after seeing your lab set up here, it's all become clear. Tell me where Langstrom is and I'll end this. 
so Batman knows what's going on at this point. We kind of know what's going on at this point. Batman's got a hypodermic needle. I think he's going to try to like subdue. He's like, he gets all the time in the world while Langstrom and Kirk are fighting amongst themselves to like, he takes out a bottle. He's like, like using the syringe and he's like, like filling it up. I think he's going to like try to knock out whoever is going to become man bat. And at this point, Batman has figured out that it's Dr. Perry. He's tweaked the man bat formula and he's actually becoming man bat. And Kirk is actually just a normal dude. He's still been a normal dude. Man bat formula apparently bonds to your genetics. So he just needed to like modify it somehow. I don't know. Comic book logic. There's two man bats now. Man bat. One of them turns into man bat. The Dr. Perry. Not Langstrom. Well, but I love the ba- Batman, the behind the back move. You know, I always love the hiding, oh. like hiding the syringe. Behind, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just that, like the international signal of this character is hiding something and we're all pretending that this would work in real life <laughs> and that the other character wouldn't be like, what is that you're holding behind also, your back? Like, also, there's a moment where Perry like has a crossbow like <laughs> to the back of the head of Langstrom. And I'm like. I don't think that works with a crossbow. Like it needs velocity. You know what I mean? Like you're just going to like, I I mean, I guess it would work, but it just feels awkward and weird. You know, like you're going to shoot the dart real hard into the back of his, like, I don't know. It's just, well, I wouldn't want to test it out. You know, no, no, no. I would like, sure, you know, sure. like if, if someone held it to my head, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Hey. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want dart in my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so at any rate, it comes to a head. Kirk starts to realize what what's going on. Batman knows what's going on. Perry turns into is it Perry? I just called him Perry. Is it Doctor Perry? I don't his even name is Perry his now. His Isn't name is to be called Perry. Doctor. Well, Isn't I just to be called Doctor. In in my mind, it's it's Doctor Perry from from Scrubs. It's the it's the. Oh wait, no, that's Doctor Cox. Anyway, Doctor yeah. Cox. Doctor Cox is there from Scrubs. Yeah, from Scrub. Yeah, yeah. yeah he turns like into the, Man Bat. Uh, that looks like he, John C. McGinley. Yeah, yeah. He turns into Man Bat. Man Bat, like, grabs Batman flying out the window, glass shattering, great shot. Batman kind of, like, grabs the arms, like, around the back of his head and just fucking pile drives Man Bat into the <laughs> ground. Just slit, just, yeah, just, just grinds his face into the pavement. Yeah, just ends that dude injects him with the with the uh uh hypodermic needle man back gets all woozy but before before he uh can claim victory the wife of of kirk kirk langstrom his wife who assumes that kirk is man bat is driving up to the house they're outside she hits batman with her car because <laughs> she's trying to protect kirk well yeah that's that's real love man yeah so good such a good moment i think it's the best moment of the comic actually (laughs) yeah this yeah yeah and she's like yeah yeah she's like kirk you gotta fly away from here and then and then man bat like kind of turns and looks at her she's like kirk it's me it's me and then actual kirk langstrom comes out of the house barreling out of the house no shirt on being mullet ablazed 
he's like, stay away from my wife. And she's like, Kirk. And he's just like fist fighting man bat. <laughs> totally sweet. Totally sweet. He is. Man bat's taking it, some swipes. He's still not going down despite the injection. Batman injects him a second time in a fight. And eventually he goes down. He turns back into uh, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. And then yeah. uh, Kirk is like, oh, it was never me. And, and his wife's like, but I thought I thought you'd turned." And then Batman's like, it's over, Langstrom. And then Langstrom looks at the sky and he's like, is it Batman? And there's a man bat in the sky that's, I guess, a shadow of a man bat on the moon or whatever. And it says the end. Yeah, I, I agree with you that there's there's some things in here that are like kind of flat. You know, I just Jason, but. I feel like I feel like the core of this thing is the rivalry between Langstrom and Perry. And yeah. I just we don't even get that until like midway through act two or like the end of act two. So yeah, like I we as a reader, like we never get an opportunity to like. I don't know, chew the fat with like. Perry having Langstrom locked up and we think that like he's going to become man bat and kill Perry or whatever. There's never any, there's none of that. There's none of that the entire time. I mean, yeah, I feel like we needed more of the rivalry in the first act between these two scientists in order to feel like they're building tension. One of them's captured. Kirk doesn't know what's going on. We feel for him. We never have any empathy with anything. Kirk gets a dart in the neck in the first act, and then we don't even see him. And then he's in jail for the second act, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. And then he gets whisked out of there. And then he's in the bedroom, and he's like, I still don't know what's going on. And then he's punching Man Bat in the head, and he's like, I finally got it. I got what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling on the second read through that in the original script as written, there was probably a lot more of the backstory, you know, not yeah. like demonstrably more, but just your standard issues worth more. But I think that the fight scenes needed to be as big as they were and kind of ate into sure. their page count. And they have a pretty uh, strict page. Yeah. Count, you I know. think two, maybe two bickering scientists is maybe not what they think kids want to read about and maybe it's like yeah. too text heavy yeah i don't know and it, and that this isn't like this is like a a reintroduction of batman like into the books and sure. how like the first episode of the series was like had had how, how how far back was the first episode of the series now compared to the book uh about a year about a year um yeah so you had reruns and stuff and so like they, they are also yeah. probably thinking okay well kids know who man bat is like we can't just do a man bat right. origin story here so right. we'll have to do a, a different here's, man bat story here's the other thing that i have a, a grievance with if this other scientist is just like now i'm the man bat then like the man bat kind of loses all of its special flavor like why do i give a shit about kirk langstrom anymore if anybody can just be man bat you know what i mean well yeah yeah it becomes that uh that meme the um you know acquire being man bat question marks profit you know 
<laughs> it's like I don't I don't know what the is middle it, of this is. That is. Meme? I don't I don't know if that meme necessarily describes what's going on, but I do like that meme. Acquire being man bat prof question marks profit. <laughs> well, because like what like why like I, I it wasn't like I'll flip back through it, but I don't know like other than like just revenge. Like I, don't I think know it's just what. I think it's just straight up revenge. Yeah, like Doctor Mustache guy, Mullet. Yeah, thought he would. Perry, like, Dr. Cox, whatever his name yeah, is, Dr. whatever Perry we're calling Cox, him, Dr. Dr. Perry, Perry Cox, Fold, Dr. Perry Fold Cox, uh, I, got beat yeah. out for a scholarship at some point, and he's trying to make Kirk Langstrom look bad, so he's himself turning into the man bat in order to, like, do some crimes and blame it on Kirk, and he says, I think he says at one point in the story that he was like, so I did this once to like turn into man bat to do some crimes. And then he was like, but like being man bat is actually super fucking fun. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing man bat things. I <laughs> he mean, doesn't say it like that. He doesn't say it like that. However, Jason, it's gotta be fun to be man bat, right? I, yeah. I mean, looks, looks like fun to me. I wonder, yeah. you know what? I will turn into man bat any day of the week. If if my ass can look that good in blue jeans, <laughs> man, come yeah, on, yeah, he's like, got some he's got some tight cake going on back there. <laughs> yeah, those, just just a late like dude does not like skip the requisite workouts at the gym. Yeah, he's doing I don't know if that them. I don't know if that's the bat DNA. I don't know if that's the you know if the doctor put a little put a little extra a little spice and flavor into the formula or what, but. He, yeah, there's something yeah. going on. There's yeah, doing his squats, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Jason. Not my favorite issue of Batman Adventures. And in fact, after I got done reading it, I kind of thought to myself that, like, I thought this is where the bar was going to be with Batman Adventures. Like, I thought we were jumping into kids' books. And it would be a little, like, story might be a little clunky, but you know, it'll be kind of fun and quick. And this, like, I thought this is what we were going to get. And what Batman adventures has done previously to this is far exceed my like wildest ambitions of what I thought this uh, book yeah. was going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so I say that this is the weakest issue that we've had, but I still enjoyed it. I still had a good time and it, was kind of what I signed up for anyway. Like it didn't, it didn't lower past that bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, you know, it's like people and people say this uh, about him sometime, but like uh, uh, the basketball player, Steph Curry, like sometimes yeah. when he pulls up to take a really deep shot and people go, ah, and it's just like, yeah, you're not always going to make them from half court, but Steph Curry seems to usually make them from half court so when he doesn't you're like oh man even though in your head you're like well yeah it would be impossible for him to be perfect every time right you right know? so right, i think it's right. it's much the same way it's like the they're they've been doing such this just like insanely high level of work right. from like every angle and like it's, the first it's, it's not ten, even like a yeah it's 10 issues before this it's 10 issues yeah. and it's all bangers yeah and this isn't even like bad it's just by comparison no. it's just by comparison right. not right. as not good. as not even, good yeah yeah it's not even that bad it's just like oh well it's a little light on the 
plot, but sure, like the action sure, is still sure. great in the that, art. I, and I the, do got to say, you know, Parbeck killing it on the action. Uh, all oh, the great. all the um, acting, all the facial remarks, really great. Still some great one-liners in there from uh, Kelly Puckett. Like, yeah, yeah. The uh, Rick Taylor on colors. He was he did some great shadow work through the issue. Like the team's still firing. It's just it just wasn't what the previous ten issues were. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I mean, you know what? It's fair. It's like all right, guys. Yeah, like totally fair. You know. You want to hit up the uh, letters column? Yeah, I'm going to punch him in the face. Please, please don't. And you're wearing, and nobody else can see this in the in the rich visual medium of podcasting, but you are wearing uh, a post office adjacent shirt. I am. I am. I'm wearing a, a shirt that has Mr. Zip on it, which is an old-timey <laughs> post office thing. Yes. We're, we are letters centric around here right now. <laughs> I sent you the letters column. Yeah. Did anything uh, jump out at you in it? The, uh, the, the hypnotism was funny. Uh, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Nothing too, too big. There was that horn dog from West Hartford, apparently. Horn dog from West Hartford. Talk, talking about uh, uh, Batgirl. Oh, like wanting, yeah. wanting them to let put back you, girl, but in like, let me read the um the hypnotism one, and then we'll get and let me and then let me find the horn dog one. <laughs> Dear Scott, okay, man, just relax, lean back in your chair, put your feet up, stare right at this letter, and imagine you're not in blustery New York. No, there's no guy shoving papers in your face, shouting free foot exam. You don't want that guy touching your feet. No, you're getting very sleepy now. Your eyes are getting heavy. When the next paragraph starts, you will be completely asleep. Scott, Scott, you must do as I command. Call upon Mike Powerback on the phone and tell him that your master, or tell him some kid, wants a picture of scantily clad Batgirl, ASAP. Good, now take the picture and put it in an envelope and address it to me. Yes, Scott, good boy. When you edit the letter column, be sure to say, you're the proud owner of a scantily clad Batgirl. As soon as you write that, you will wake, wake, wake. Dan Labby from West Hartford, Connecticut. Scott says, I don't know why I'm feeling so odd. <laughs> I for, so there, I forgot they were the same letter. The hypnotist the same and the guy, horn dog the, letter. The horn yeah. dog and a hypnotist. Who would have yeah. thought? <laughs> yeah. But I, I yet again, every every one of these, even if there's not like a um a one that super jumps out at me, like every every one you send me is like it's it's just so nice to see you're like oh man this is kind of this is probably what most people imagined what the internet would have been like in the 90s you know <laughs> yeah dan labby from uh connecticut he was one of the winners so he scott writes uh at the end of the letters column the two lucky winners this time yes it's that time again put your hands together and give a, a big tba congrats to dan libby i'm not sure why he won i just felt compelled somehow and tim <laughs> yeah. west so i wonder if dan got his uh scantily clad mike parlbeck batgirl or not i don't know maybe he got his scantily clad batgirl maybe he didn't i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah but it was just it was uh oh and the and the the last letter 
the guy who just literally pulled out the uh, thesaurus, you know, and oh, like, man, that one's a mouthful. You're going to make me read that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't don't. Uh, you know, what? I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it because. Yeah, is so- yeah. Hit, be- hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for because it. Because this this sounds exactly like something that uh, I would have done at like 13 or 14 of wanting to seem way, way smarter. But also yeah, like, yeah. oh, I know. Oh, I'm doing it as a joke, though. Like. Right, right, right. Yeah. Classic. You, you, you know. Dear Lord Peterson, good oh, day. Doing oh, my voice v- too. <laughs> oh, my very soul weeps for not allowing your letter column the privilege of printing my glorious pen sooner. But in pain and sorrow, I have been unable to come to come up with the correct synonym to express the idea behind this great literary masterpiece. So recently, I have been deep thought and meditation. Accessing the knowledge of my subconscious, trying to expunge the utterance that states it all. I have come across many expressions in the depths of my mind. Rich, prominent, distinguished, genuine, benevolent, genial, noble, and even outstanding, even the outstanding word majestic. But in the completion, in the, but yeah, in the completion of my search, I believe only one word describes the awesome power and glory of the Batman adventures. Phantasmagoric. I, I, I really wish now that I made the choice to lean into a really bad um, Dr. Orpheus impersonation. <laughs> I mean, we can go again. It's podcasting. That was nah. from the Honorable Joshua David Adelson oh. from Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Uh, Scott responds back, no, thank you, your honor. If I could give but three pinups away per column, yea, verily, I say unto thee, thou wouldst win one. Alas, it is not to be, for it is written in issue six, to be exact, that I bestow two pinups and two pinups only per issue. And though your letter doth ring true and speaks to greatness, it doth pertain to my product, calling me Lorth. Don't make me, I don't know, I, it goes on and on. <laughs> One letter I want to talk about, I'll read it to you now. Batman Adventures. I'm ready to congratulate you on a great comic. After reading the first couple issues, I felt the comic had real potential. Now after reading a few more, I'm hooked. The straightforward stories keep me interested. The art is clean and colorful. The use of Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson personas is wonderful. I have a couple questions that I hope you will answer. One. Were Bullock and Montoya created for the Batman Adventures? Were they created in the regular DC universe? Two, any chance of some other heroes appearing in the comic? Jeffrey Badger from Des Moines, Iowa. So Scott responds with, one, Bullock was first created by Doug Munch in the DC universe quite a few years ago, while Montoya was created for the animated show. And I was like, I was like, there's no way she was created for the show because like Harley Quinn was created for the show and her first appearance is like, Go f- go for a crazy amount of money. Her first appearance is next pod, by the way. And I was like, how is Mon- Montoya not commanding that price point? And then, it, so I started Googling it, right? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure Montoya was in the comics first. Listen to this. So Montoya was in Batman number 475 before the show came out. But she is credited as being created by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and Mitch Bryan who worked on the show. She was made for the animated series. And then when they made her for the animated series, she got poached by DC 
to be in a comic and the comic happened to run before the show ran. So she was in the Batman universe in in the comics before the show was even out. However, she was made for the show. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little like weird tidbit. Yeah, because I was like when I first read it, I was like, Scott Peterson's a fucking liar. And then I was like, oh, the truth is actually a little grayer. You know, she was created for the show, but she did come out in the comics her first appearance was before the show yeah yeah well that made me think like you know like again it was just like another uh reminder of at the time that um because because i didn't know any of that i honestly wasn't sure when bullock was was created or if he was created for the show or not and it was a surprise to me i was like oh that's you know it's an interesting fact it's a fun fact yeah you know and then i thought i'm like Oh my God. I'm like, that's right. For a long, long time, if you wanted those extra little Easter eggs of information, you usually got them in a letters column. Right. You know, yeah. So no would be confused about something or you couldn't get an issue and you'd be like, when did this happen to this person? The editor would be like, yeah, that issue's hard to find, but it was like, you know, they'd explain like. Right, right, it, right. But yeah, pre-internet stuff is just, but it, it, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's really neat. And I'm like thinking of all the like the comics ephemera I have in my head. And I'm like, yeah, most of it came from like that. And then like 50 page comics journal interviews. You know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about like where, where, where you got that stuff from. You've read Gotham Central, right? Yes, not for a long time, but yes, I have. Read okay. It. Yeah. There's a, there's a big, beautiful re-release of a hardcover that adds, uh, I think, a couple more pages to the story. And I think they added a bunch more snowflakes to, to a lot of the pages. I don't. That's what I hear. Anyway. Greg Rucka loves his snow stuff, man. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Gotham Central's really incredible. I reread it just recently. It still holds up. It's still very, very good. Montoya is largely uh, main character focus by the end of that she leaves the police force and she kind of like is on Rocky like situation with her wife because she's just like in a downward spiral of like, you know, if she's not a cop, then who is she? And mm-hmm. from there Montoya grows to, I don't know if you know this cause you're not super into mainstream comic books, but um, in the comic 52, she becomes the new question. And then, Oh, grows from there and i i so want to read like montoya's arc because it's so good in gotham central and then i know she becomes the question and the question's a character i i already like um cully hamner does a lot of the art with montoya as the question and she's so interwoven with two-face and i just feel like all this stuff is really good and i don't know if it gets read about or talked about a lot but I haven't read oh. the stuff beyond Gotham Central and I really want to. It's on my short list. I should. Yeah. Wow. I really. Yeah. I really want to check that out. Well, because I, I do love like, you know, I mean, no, no, no shade against Greg Rucka. I was just kind of like thinking of Queen no, and no, Country no, Greg and Rucka's how like great. a lot of that. Had, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and but just like the snow motif, like he just like, for, yeah, it yeah. seemed for a time there. He loved that motif. But uh, yeah, the was the question Denny O'Neill or was was that was that created by Denny O'Neill or was that? I think I feel like I'm confusing it with an old um, Steve Ditko character. Or I don't know he if that's is the same. created by Steve Ditko. The question that's is created right. by okay. Steve Ditko, yeah. but I, I, he was made 
um, popular in the 70s with the Denny O'Neill uh, run of the question. Okay, okay, that's right. Yeah. Which I also kind of want to get my hands on that stuff. We talked about in the previous pod about how, who was it? The professor is Denny O'Neill or was it Mastermind? I can't remember. One of the one yeah. of the villains was Denny O'Neill. Yeah, one of the goons. And, uh, Andy Corey talked one. about how Denny O'Neill would talk about Zen in the back of the question. And it made me really want to read the letters columns from the back of the question. However, yeah. in order to do that, I need to well, fucking track down the issues because like those letters columns aren't being reprinted in like reprints yeah. of the question. You know, they're yeah, not on the app. Those. Yeah, no yeah. one's scanning those. So it's like if yeah. I want to read Denny O'Neill talking about Zen in the back of the question, I have to track yeah. down those issues. Yeah, because only freaks and weirdos like us would care about <laughs> letters columns. <laughs> oh, and, man. But I... My God, you just now I think you now made that an obsession for me, at least letters column wise. I'm going to try to figure out a way because like I'm thinking of Denny O'Neill's age and yeah. um, I'm thinking of the time he was writing that in, in the 70s. And I didn't know he did Zen stuff. I've honestly never read the Denny O'Neill question. I just know it's the, the legendary status of it, you know, and yeah. like. But I'm just like, oh, man, I'm like, he'd be perfect for like, you know, he was probably a big fan of Alan Watts, you know, who like Alan Watts is one right. of the people popularized like Buddhism and, you know, in the in America, in the West, like along with um Robert Thurman, man, like I'm just like, yeah, Denny O'Neill is like prime age for like, right, being really I, into like Alan Watts. And I also think that it's kind of interesting because like Denny O'Neill has unfortunately passed away. So there's not a lot of times that you it's like you can really get his candid voice. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's interviews and things like that. And like interviews are something different than like information that he's just volunteering. You know what I mean? And I think yeah, that if you, well, if you care to just like get in the head of Denny O'Neill because you're a fan of comics or you're a fan of, of the question or whatever, like if you just want to get in the head of Denny O'Neill, I think maybe maybe the best way to do it is the back of the question. I, I don't know for sure because I haven't read it yet, but like, I don't know. Could be cool. It is so nice, though, to have uh, a friend who understands, you know? Yeah, yes, yes. This pod will always embrace the letters column. Yeah, because you're, you're probably one of the only people who, if I somehow found like a stack or put together like a scrapbook of like, letters yeah. columns from like the 70s question you'd be like oh wow like yeah, nobody yeah. Let else me, let me into that no. yeah nobody yeah yeah no my closest Jason. friends would be like my closest friends would be like well i like that you like it and like thanks man thanks <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what this podcast should have been called i like that you like it <laughs> <laughs> do you want the stinger for the next uh next issue oh yeah let's get it let's get it Next issue. Well, it's finally here. Yep. The moment you've been waiting for. It's ladies night in Gotham. So when Harley and Ivy begin stirring things up, who better to take them on than Batgirl? It's true, Rick. It's Batgirl day one by Kelly, Mike, Rick, Tim, and the happiest man on earth, Rick. I got I got a little tripped up at the because he always <laughs> says Rick and Rick at the same time, but he's singling out one specific Rick. Because he's a big fan of Batgirl. 
so yes, we're getting some some Batgirl next pod. It's also notoriously the first appearance of Harley Quinn. It's really tough to get that book. I actually just chatted with a couple of comic shop owners in the area to see if they have any lines on it because it's like one of the only issues that I don't have. And they do, but they were like, I just sold one for $1,200. And I'm like, well, sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to pay $1,200. I'm a fan, yeah. but I'm not that much of a fan yet. Yeah. 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 However, there have been some reprints. I don't know if the reprints have printed the letters column, but I don't have any any access to the reprints or anything. It's just a hole in my collection. So no letters column next time, unfortunately. I'll make some stuff up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll write our own letters. How about that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. You want to hit the two read pile? Yeah. Yeah. What you what you reading? What you reading these days, Nick? What you reading? I've been I've had a busy week. I got married. So uh yeah, didn't Holy didn't shit, whole... you got married. Yes, yes. I've had a busy week. God damn. So I haven't done a whole lot of extra reading. I also got absolutely hammered with projects. I got to color my first project with David Latham, which was pretty fantastic for the DC holiday oh. special. It's probably gonna be coming out soon when this pod releases. Maybe one of my I don't favorite, know. favorite. I I could Dude, do a joy to work over. Like his uh, his inks just like soak up color like crazy. Uh, just really really fun. I hope I did it justice. I hope he's happy. I don't know if he's seen I could, it. I could talk. I I could talk forever about stray bullets and about murder yeah. me dead. Murder yeah. me dead. Very underrated. Murder me dead was a book that I recommended to people all the time. When people were like, I want to get into comics. And I don't know where to begin. I, I was like, you should just check this out. And I would just give them Murder Me Dead because it's self-contained. It's everything you ever want in a, in a murder mystery. Like it's drawn really well. It's written really well. It'll hook you. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I can't I can't say I'll, I'll just be really light on my praise. But of how how much his work has meant to me over the years has been a great, great deal. And it's always been a very stray bullets, especially. It's always been a very, very. Uh, important book to me for various reasons so that's just that's amazing that you got to work uh, yeah. with him and very fortunate yeah yeah that's so awesome at any rate i did read a little a few comic books i've been chipping away at my pile that i half bought when we were at sarge's and then i added to a little bit when uh i was up at shops up here which is i've been collecting kind of like 70s horror books from marvel and dc with titles like uh creatures on the loose a uh, vault of evil and of course house of mystery house of secrets so i bought a bunch of those and i've been reading them i i think i'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right now i'm very early in it but i think i'm gonna try to collect house of mysteries and house of secrets i'm gonna try to get a full run oh nice yeah, I think it's going to take me a while. I think it's going to take me a long while. But yeah, one of the nice things about collecting House of Mystery and House of Secrets is that each issue is self-contained horror stories. And usually there's one or two per issue. 
you can you can read them in any order. They don't build on each other. So like whatever book I end up picking up, I can just read and enjoy. But like I because we've been reading a lot of Doug Munch stuff, I started wanting to pick up a bunch of his stuff. What what did what was I looking for? Like electric and like Lords of the Ultra Realm and like like fringe DC stuff from like the 80s when Munch was was writing stuff. Um, I want to there's I want to at least check out Lords of the Ultra Realm. You can't just casually drop a title <laughs> like Lords of the Ultra Realm and sure, not, ex- sure. not expect me to get unfortunately excited. not on the app. It's like fringe stuff. A lot a lot of there yeah. are House of Mystery House of Secrets books on the app um, for DC Universe, but not all of them. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, OK, I'm a, I'm I've been mining my local shops for a lot of extra Doug Munch stuff. And then also house of mystery House of secrets. And I've been really enjoying them also, you know, the Marvel stuff, but the Marvel stuff doesn't have a legacy like house of mystery House of secrets does. And I noticed too, that they would also, they'd come out for like a year, like 12 issues, 10 issues, and then just like jump to a new title. I think that Marvel was trying to just knock up readership a little bit, you know, Whereas like yeah, House of Secrets is like 150 issues and House of Mysteries like 300 and something. It's a it's a run. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading this story, um, this like history about uh, Adam Warlock. Yeah. How like he never it seems like Marvel's much more was in its history much more creator driven. And so like. Yeah. There were stories about Adam Warlock that Jim Starlin didn't do, but when Jim Starlin wasn't doing it, no one really cared all that much. And then anytime Jim Starlin <laughs> wanted to come back and do it, you know, people are like, oh, wow, this is great. And it, would, and it would do really well. And they'd be like, all right, Adam Warlock's back. And then the other creators who work on it, they're like, ah, it's, it's Adam Warlock. Like the stories were, you know, and then like sales plummeted. Sure, because, sales like, would tank again. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, but it, but it seems like in the 70s, DC was probably much more like editorial driven and just being like, hey, guys, we're going to keep like not. Yeah. Yeah. Not like the, the, the artists and writers weren't, I'm sure, putting in what they could put in, but it just. Sure. But they were like, like here's our horror books. We'll put whoever we put on these, but we're going to keep putting these out month in, month out for 150 issues rather than yeah. 10 issues. And then we're going to jump ship to to something else. It's going to be. Yeah. And it. I'm. It's now called yeah. it, and then it's like creatures on the loose, and then it's like I don't know vault of evil, and it's like you know yeah. trying. It's it's far less satisfying. I own a good chunk of vault of evil, but it's only like fifteen issues. It's far yeah. less satisfying being like, oh, I have ten of fifteen. It's like I don't you know I don't know. Yeah, but like if I had a if I had a run of House of Mystery, like that's a that's something, man. Yeah, that's a chunk. Yeah. And maybe I'm being a bit too charitable to Marvel in the 70s where Marvel has just always been kind of like, sure. you know, unorganized. <laughs> maybe it was just Oh my god. You know, you know like, "Oh no, no, no. I no, I wasn't a bad student in high school, Nick. I was just very creative, you see." Is 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 what it was. You almost made me spit out my drink. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been reading some of those. They range from okay stories to being very fun. 
There's one that mm. springs to mind about some Nazis in World War II in Africa who wanted to build a bridge, but they couldn't build it themselves because they didn't have the manpower. So they like enslaved a town in Africa to build the bridge. And the town like didn't want to build the bridge because it's it's over these crocodiles that were their gods. And the so that they, they like cursed the Nazis and then like murdered them all in their sleep before the bridge was finished, except one Nazi got away. And then he was living in like, you know, uh, uh, in like South America somewhere like he escaped tribunal and he's like long forgotten about the crocodile God. And then he was running from enforcement that was trying to drag him to like, you know, pay for his crimes because he's a Nazi son of a bitch. And like he's running from these people and he jumps into this lake and he he's like, he's like, oh, I can breathe underwater. I don't know. This is amazing. He was like, they'll never catch me now. Like, I'll stay down here for 20 minutes. It's fine. And he turned into a crocodile. And then the locals beat him with with like clubs in order to take his pelt. <laughs> and I'm like, when all the fucking Nazis die in the end, you know, it's a good one. It's got to be a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, if you're going to write a story with a Nazi in it, they better have like a horrible death in there yeah you yeah know. they all got a horrible death and i was like ah yeah. very satisfying good job that, good job that's really good you just diving right into the house of mysteries and 70s horror stuff is really it is, it's giving me the itch man it's giving me the itch to do it i'm gonna at least look up what i can find on the dc app for now and then yeah, probably buy yeah. some random stuff at, at sarge's the next time i just i, I just picked trip. up a reprint of the uh the issue where Swamp Thing's first appearance is going to be crazy expensive for me to get a hold of. I'm sure. I'm sure if I ever get a hold of it, it's going to be a low grade, you know, like a three point whatever. Just as long as it's readable, I don't care. Yeah. But I picked up a reprint of it that was reprinted in 1992. That was had like bragging about some like bonus stuff that's in there so I'm, I'm excited to crack that see what the actual bonus stuff is i don't know if it's previous stories from house of mystery or house of secrets or whatever i don't know we'll see but yeah i uh i'm, I'm kind of getting kind of getting into it and you know i i also have been realizing that like a lot of these old books when they're not a first appearance of somebody or they're not like a highly sought after artist or writer, they're usually pretty cheap. Like you can get them for like five bucks, you know? So like, I, I feel like a lot of the run of house of mystery and house of secrets, I'm going to get pretty cheap until I can't live in those cheap books anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's always, well, like I think we talked about it when you were up, is that like, you know, that's how, like when we were kids anyway, cause like for most of the, time that comic books have been around like they've been like a cheaper medium and like right i remember being a kid just wanting like some just i just wanted some extra stuff and so there was there would always be a bin at sarge's of like just stuff right. that was like damaged books for like 50 cents or a dollar or less and like, right right I'll, I'll buy something without a cover on it from like 1983 yeah, that has a, a dazzler story in it sure why not right, it's only yeah, 50 why not? cents i'm not yeah you know and every once in yeah. a while you're like holy crap this is you know, it's it's how you I, discover stuff. I also kind of like have started to realize that I like collecting the single issues 
up to a certain era. I think we're right on the line right now with like mm-hmm. 1993 books where it's like past this, once they start to like neuter the letters columns, the internet, the rise of the internet, you know, variants explode. You're like, I'm not super interested in that, but like, yeah, comics, comics from like 1973 that are now like 50 years old that are like, I can still get for five bucks and are like pretty fun. It's like, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll read that. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, what, are you, what are you reading? You reading anything? You bringing anything to the two read pile? Well, I'm not I'm not going to talk about them too much because uh, one of them, uh, I read the first Parker book, but well, I'll save oh, hell yeah. that. But well, we're going to save that for, for an episode, yeah. for an annual. Uh, but I did read, um, well, reading uh, Berlin, which I've been reading Berlin uh, by Jason Lutz for yeah. Uh, since it's been coming out really right and i i have two collected volumes of it and i had a lot of the original issues actually by uh black eye i think it was publishing i i don't know if that was jason lutz's self-published before dnq picked him up but anyway i've been, I've been living with this book for a while as a fan as a reader and i got a yeah. complete collected edition of it a while back and i nice. finally cracked it open and my god it's just it's just a great like reminding of why I love the book so much and like how much of a just absolute like just I I, I don't know how to the level that Jason Lutz is operating at you know because his the the cartooning is beautiful and the city is like it's just so lived in and you're so there you know that book Um, is gorgeous it's yeah and it's just just every page it's like yeah no wonder it took you so it took him so long sure. to like because i think even if that's all he did you know what i mean like if he was able to make a yeah. living off of just it's like yeah it, it it looks like the kind of thing that like you draw and ink an entire page and then he probably stared at it and went this isn't working and then like you know there went like a week's worth of work because it just wasn't <laughs> right. You know, yeah, like it yeah. looks like he works so hard on getting things right. And I'm still barely halfway through it. Uh, but just Berlin by it's Jason a, Lutz. It's a dense read. I, yeah. I remember, uh, I picked up the first trade of it when, uh, drawing quarterly was putting it out and it sat on my shelf for years and years and years. And I think I gave it away. i i uh i want to read it but it's one of those books that's like it's a dense read it's a heavy Mm. read and it's like it's it's something you have to like sit down and it's it's like you don't casually watch schindler's list it's like you sit down (laughs) to watch schindler's you know what i mean like it, it feels like that it feels heavy, yeah. heavy with its importance. So it's like, I, yeah. I can't just like bang it out on my phone, like reading, you know, Nightfall. But I, it's like, you know, something I need to like take time for. I actually saw uh, the collected edition that you were talking about where it's like all collected in the comic shop yep. the other day. And I had the impulse to be like, is it time? <laughs> I was like, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it. It is it is really dense. And to anyone listening, though, who also like I've I love the book a lot and uh, I haven't ever completed 
it. I've only ever had the first two volumes that I've read over and over again, but it is one of those books yeah. that I would pull out to every once in a while. It would just like a scene or a page would pop into my head and I just like pull it out and like flip to it and like kind of bounce around. Like that's also like a way I've experienced a lot of it is like, it's, he's just so masterful with it. I'm just like, I just want to, you know, like, again, it'll just stick in my head. It just sticks in Damn, your freaking man. head. Like, and maybe it's and like, maybe it's time. Maybe I should get it. it. It's just, it's just so, and, and it's also, it's not one of those things too, either where like, I don't think like creatively if I was, or if I ever make it to be um, like a professional comic book artist, I don't think it's something even that like I would even attempt to do, you know, mm-hmm. and just, just in terms of like the way he's telling this story, you know, I could, I don't think I could ever draw like the man if I, practice for a thousand years but uh it's just something that's it's just done so well you know yeah like it's it's just great to see you know that's uh absolutely uh i think it deserves more attention than it gets it gets some attention it's not like you know sure but i think it could a little bit more sure sure Thanks for listening. Uh, we've got, you know, first appearance of Harley Quinn coming next next pod. You excited about that, Jason? You think they're going to make a big deal about it? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know because uh you know what? We'll 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 we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I am kind of the, I'm kind of excited about it though. The guy at the comic shop said that it's very hard to find a good quality like 9.0 8.0 of that issue because Batman Adventures was seen as a children's book for kids and the problem with that is that kids read them and kids read the hell out of them so it's hard to find that issue in good quality even though it is the first appearance of Harley Quinn anyway that's yeah. for the next pod thank you for listening if people want to get in touch with you where can they find you Jason they can find me at King of Black Acid on the Elon Musk machine Twitter. Yeah, that just happened. Uh, we're, we're a little in the in the past by the time somebody is reading this oh, or listening yeah, to this. Lovely. It's like you, a you couple can, of weeks can, down the road. I don't know if yeah. Twitter's still a thing, but you can find me at Nick Phil um, if if it's still a thing. If it's not totally on fire, yeah. um, I'm at Nick Phil on there. Uh, the podcast is world's second finest with a two nd the number two nd when episodes go live they will get posted up there and you will be first to know yeah not the last to find out thanks for listening thanks for listening stuff was written specifically for like hey maybe someone will like this cover and just pick it up yeah not have to like see a thing that says you know see this issue blah 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 right 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 to to that end, I don't know if I told you this, but I was at a train station. This was forever, not forever ago, but like a while ago. I was in a train station in Connecticut. This was maybe like, maybe like six or seven years ago. And in the train station, they had a uh, a news rack 
like thing selling papers, you know, it was, and I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Like because they had comics there. They had like a spinner rack. And I was like, what do they possibly have on this spinner rack? Because like the newsprint runs have been gone for a long time. I'm probably going to cut this from the episode, but the newsprint runs have been <laughs> gone for a long time. But I walked in, dude, it was like stepping back in time. It was like early spawn issues on the rack. It was like stuff oh, wow. from this era, like Batman Nightfall issues. Like, like this person got comics in 1993 and then they were like, I don't I don't know when we'd sell these, I guess we'll get more. And then they just never sold those <laughs> and never got rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Never just, just kept them threw on the them away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It was really That's something. Was this, at, was this at Union Station in New Haven? Maybe. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. It might have been Union mm. Station in New Haven. I can't remember. Or, or like they might also be great, you know, like I buy like, you know, I buy, I buy my music like through uh Bandcamp mostly, or just like, you know, I don't have a streaming service for, for that stuff anymore. But like, I do have like in my wish list this, like, uh, this compilation of uh, a shoegaze scene that was happening in Detroit in, in like the early nineties. And there yeah. are bands that like weren't ever around again most of the bands on the compilation didn't record more than the songs they had for the comp sure sure and some people from that old scene like collected it and remastered it and put it together i'm just like this is extremely my shit like i haven't bought it yet but i will buy it and even if i don't like all of it i still love that like the nuggets in there are going to be like yeah. so valuable because they're they're so unknown, they're so obscure and like it's fun digging for them. Um I was going to do something similar. So uh I don't know if I I might this might get cut. I don't know. But uh in the 90s, in the late 90s, CDs were cheap here, but they were crazy expensive in Japan. They were like almost double price. Have I talked about this before? I don't think so. So CDs were like double the price in Japan. And because of that, they would add like uh, a bunch of like bonus stuff to it to try to make it like, quote unquote, worth it. But like, yeah, kids are kids and they want to buy music and they can't afford to buy music because it's expensive no matter what you add to it. So what happened was there was a cottage industry of basically like blockbuster video, but not for videos for music in Japan. There was like three or four uh, uh, chain rental places where you could go in, you could rent a bunch of music. And because people wanted to keep the music and cassette tapes were kind of like like seen as old tech, mini discs were huge in Japan. So mini discs were not great over here. It's an optical medium that's like pre CD, but post cassette tape. So you could get that kind of like good quality audio on it, but like, and you could still skip tracks. You could still like label the tracks that would come up in the, in the, on the displays. you like, so it was like good quality stuff that was like, you know, kind of a moment in time before CDs took it over. So it's, it's yeah. literally, it's literally Japan 1994 to like 2004 right so it's a very <laughs> yeah. it's a very particular era and you can get on like sendico or other sites like that 
and just search for mini discs. And like you could just buy a pile of mini discs from Japan that like somebody used at some point to make either mix CDs or like actual CDs or whatever. I don't know, like if they're going to be just, you know, like hair metal bands or whatever, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. And so I was like, I got to get in on this. I got to get a mini disc player and I'm just going to buy like a mountain of mini discs and just slowly work my way through these Japanese mini discs to see like what the hell is on them, you know? Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. And I think I also like I also immediately thought of a, of a friend of mine, uh, my friend Eric, who I think has a mini disc player, because I remember once half jokingly being like, well, yeah, if you have like a dat drive, then you can. He's like, I have a dat drive. I'm like, of course you have a dat drive. Eric. <laughs> I, he's like, well, I, you know, he's just that kind of. Yeah. You know, at the, at the I bet time he has, too, I'm saying I, I, I bet he has a mini disc player at the time too. mini disc format was. uh at the forefront of like a lot of like odd recording industries too, like because there was a um, court reporter recording system that was extremely popular in the United States that you could plug too many discs into. So you could have continuous recording. Basically one would empty or one would fill up. It would switch to the other one. You could take that first one out, put another one in Um it made it extremely versatile because you could re-record over them and it was like perfect quality. Uh, that was before things switched to d- digital, obviously. But also uh, there's a pretty notorious piece of like recording hardware, um, like four track recording hardware that has mini disc uh, uh, like writing ability on it. I'm not exactly yeah. sure what the hardware is off the top of my head, but I remember reading about it. I Sony Vio put mini discs, mini disc slots into a lot of their computers in the late 90s, uh, which was a thing. I'm trying to remember if some friend because I had some friends of mine back then that had little four tracks, you know, they bought. Yeah, yeah. So So there was like there was a lot of like little four tracks that would just have XLR outputs on them. That was pretty common. But there was yeah. also like apparently an extremely popular version of that was one with a mini disc slot. So you could just straight up record it, put it on the mini disc and be done. You don't need any extra hardware or anything. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping my hope is that I'll just get a big box of mini discs from Japan and it'll just be like Japanese garage rock that like no one has ever heard of before. Yeah, <laughs> but oh, I, don't I know. love that's probably pie I, in I the sky. That. But uh, uh, or city you got to be careful. Do you, do you- yeah. Do you know the exactly. genre of city? city pop. I mean, city pop is yeah. amazing. Like city pop is just like, I don't know what they're singing about, but I'm like, this stuff is fucking great. Yeah. So, uh, you gotta be careful when you're buying them on Sendico because some sellers will blank all the discs out before you get them. You don't wow. want those. You want, you want the, you want that, that taste, that 1995 taste. Yeah. Oh, just give me the so, weird stuff, man. Give give me all the weird stuff constantly. Please give me the weird stuff. I literally absolutely. I wrote I I wrote it down. I, I wrote down buy mini discs from Japan used <laughs> to remind yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, oh shit, that's great. Oops, dart in your neck.